Anybody ever enjoyed a good lunch or dinner at El Monumento? Some head nods. Woo, it's good. Dangerous, too. Right? Because they bring out those chips and salsa before you've ordered or even looked at the menu. And, and a lot of restaurants do this, right? And even though I know better, I, I cannot help myself pretty soup, right? Scoop, scoop, scoop. They notice the chips are getting lowing. They're so generous. They refill for you. Before the actual meals ever come, I'm starting to feel a little full. Uh, but, I, but I order, I'm excited, the meal's amazing, but, but then sometimes I'll, I will just end and I just, I'm feeling a little bloated, a little tired, but there's still like a full day in front of us, right, full evening. I noticed last time I was there, though, they sell coffee. So I waved to the waiter, I, coffee sounds great, decaf or regular? Regular, please. Increase our faith, the disciples cry. I wonder if they aren't feeling weighed down. Asking Jesus for a jolt of caffeinated confidence that could somehow be injected into their bloodstream and just lift them to a higher place. Because leading up right to this very moment, Jesus has shared some challenging teachings Woe to anyone who causes a child to stumble or, or tempts them with wrong or, or gives them a hard time, as the message translates it. Better for that person to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck. Woo. That's heavy. I mean, quite literally, heavy. But also heavy because disciples then and disciples now know there are a lot of ways that, that we can actively or very inadvertently as a society cause children and youth to stumble. So many are the ways, whether purposely or, 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 or totally unintentionally, that we can give youth, quote, a hard time. Surely some of the mental health crisis we see facing our youth in our nation today is related uh, to the reality that we are handing on to them. Well, then Jesus goes on to his, in his teaching right after that one. He says, if your brother or sister sins against you, correct them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times, and seven times they come back to you saying, I repent, forgive them. That's heavy. That's a lot of spiritual lifting just to honestly forgive someone one time, let alone seven times. And also, that's heavy because we know, look how, how words get thrown across the, the internet. Words get thrown behind closed doors with gossip. Look how, how real violence is, is done in homes, on battlefields. I mean, how many are the ways we hurt one another, Jesus, heavy can be our, our reality. Heavy are your words and how we're supposed to, to deal with them, engage with it in our lives, our collective life. And then I'd say add to this fact that, that in our day and age, we all have news feeds in front of us all the time, right? 
phones, computers, televisions, news, fee. I mean, talk about chips and dip served up right away and then continually refilled. Look, it is good to be informed and in the know and, and, and thoughtful and faithful in how we respond. But, but by now, I think we, we know better, even as we can hardly help ourselves when, when, when fear and anger get served up and, and they're so enticing. Famous politicians said, what, Scoop? They tweeted, what, Scoop? It's going to get how bad, said so-and-so, Scoop. Increase our faith, we cry, from, 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 from this weight that has us in our seats on the couch because the world, it, the stuff's heavy. Jesus' call feels heavy. It added to that this sort of bloated sense from fear and anger. Dipping. Because some days we, we really aren't sure how we're going to get up and do anything meaningful in, in the face of some of what weighs upon our hearts in this world. But maybe, maybe there's a cup of caffeinated confidence, inspiration big enough to, to, to pump some new Jesus in and through us so that we can move again. The Lord replies, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea. They would obey you. That's a strange response. Scholars debate how we're supposed to hear this, but one thing is certain. Mulberry trees do not routinely or ever uproot themselves and replant in water or elsewhere. It suggests then that Jesus' followers, they have faith smaller even than a mustard seed, which apparently could replant a mulberry tree. It almost seems like really Jesus is implying, don't worry about the size of your faith one way or another. It's not about whether you have a tall or a grande or a venti size faith. What's it about then? And then Jesus says another strange thing. Who among you would say to your slave who's just come in from plowing and tending the sheep, come here at once, take a place at the table. Would you not rather say to this slave, uh, prepare a meal for me, put on an apron and serve me while I eat and drink and then you eat and drink? Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? It's a strange response in part because throughout Scripture, scripture, uh, scripture Joy and obedience are paired. Following God's way is understood to be a joyful thing. Here, following God's way is depicted as a slave who does very ordinary things he's supposed to, plowing, tending, preparing a meal, serving, not looking for thanks, just doing what he's supposed to do. To be sure, we, we have some very real cultural and historical baggage with this passage that we compare our life to that of a slave we don't think. Certainly this passage is not the only template by any stretch of our understanding of a life of faith, nor is it meant to have us think of the chattel-based slavery that unfolded in this country. It is simply meant to underscore 
The very ordinary, the very routine, the often unnoticed actions the slave does, simply because that's the position, what the position calls for. Routine, embodied actions. A few years ago, I was taking piano lessons, just kind of starting out as, in a, as an adult and, and trying to learn a piece of music that was definitely beyond my ability. And so in a surprise, I was just getting nowhere in particular with one or two measures. And I just had no idea how to bring the left hand and the right hand together to work out this rhythm of, of, of this piece. And now my teacher, my piano teacher, could have stood on his chair and, and, and like a Rudy speech with as much gusto as possible said, have a little faith in yourself. Come on, play that music, bring it on. Instead, he had me stand up from the piano bench and said to me, I want you to walk in complete circles around this room. As you walk, I want you to clap the right hand rhythm. I want you to stomp the left hand rhythm. I want you to count aloud the measure with your mouth. We'll go in circles until you get it because if you can't put the rhythm in your body, you can't play the rhythm. So here I was in my, my dress slacks, having come from a day of meetings and all the like, and, and, and now it's just clap, stomp, shuffle, shout. I noticed halfway through my, my circle around the room, my eyes are closed, squinting, thinking so hard. I can't do stomps very well because I'm thinking so hard, so I'm kind of shuffle, stomping incredibly awkward, incredibly humbling way to spend 15 minutes in your dress slacks and shirt. If you can't put the rhythm in your body, you can't play the rhythm. If you can't put the faith in your body, it's not faith. The disciples want a cup of caffeinated confidence. Jesus makes clear faith is not about having more or less of some sort of internal pick-me-up. Faith is an action. It's, it's, it's embodied in daily routine tasks of hand, feet, voice. And is it any surprise that Jesus would ultimately point to this very mundane story of faith being embodied in actions of service and love? Jesus himself became a servant, a, a slave, and put the, the rhythm of love into his very body and, and lived it day by day unto the complete humility of the cross. And, and then he was raised, not in sort of a vaporous spirit way, but a body. And, and then did he not pour out that, that same love by way of the Holy Spirit upon the body of Christ? That we might work out our own motions, that, that our lives might play forth with love and, and mercy 
and justice and, and, and forgiveness and generosity, which is to say, we already have God's Spirit. 100% poured out upon us in baptism. That, the caffeine's there, if you will. It's, it's not a question of more or less of the gift. We have the gift by grace. It's ours, 100%, full stop, this day and forevermore. Now, it's simply a question of working out in our words, our actions, our lives, the gift that is already within. I, I think of the, the passage in, in the book of Romans that our all-church retreat speaker uh, gave to us at Mo Ranch just a couple of weeks. Some of you were on retreat then. Uh, it reads like a laundry list of the various ways that faith is embodied. The rhythm gets worked out. And I invite you just to hear a portion of this passage and, and let your heart be attentive to what maybe lingers Be faithful in prayer. Help needy Christians. Practice hospitality. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Shed tears when they're down. Make friends with nobodies. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. If you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. I wonder what is the awkward, tangible, ordinary step that well may go unnoticed by many, may, may seemingly contribute so little in light of all the weighty things of this world, and yet... It's the next step of faith for us. Maybe it is something you just heard on that list. Maybe, maybe it's just simply passing a little bit more on the chips and dips salsa of fear and anxiety. Maybe it has to do with hurricane relief. Maybe it has to do with what you, you put down in your pledge, your time and talent forms that, that will arrive to your inbox yet this week. Clap, stomp, shuffle, shout. You know, eventually my body, it did discover the rhythm that was already there, just needed to awkwardly, humbly be worked out. And I sat back down at the piano and I played a glorious couple of measures that filled the room. It's easy to let the things of this world, our lives, weigh on us, understandably. Even Jesus' words can weigh on us sometimes. It's all the worse if we find ourselves bloated with some extra empty calories we've been taking in. And sometimes what we think we need is, is a caffeinated jolt big enough to, to help us rise up against all of it. And, and Jesus' words are, are quite simply clap, stomp, shuffle, shout in ordinary, everyday ways, awkwardly, imperfectly. Work out the God rhythm that's already there. You step. I'll be in charge of bringing forth 
the music. Amen.